you know, we get asked a lot, Emily, when is it going to get back to normal? Um, it's never going back to March of 2020. Like it's never, ever going to go there. The cat is out of the bag. And so I think when you have restaurants that are still trying to live in that world pre-pandemic, um, the frustration is higher, but their success will certainly not be what it could be. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Dr. Emily Williams-Knight, the president and CEO of the Texas Restaurant Association. Her first year in the role, she faced COVID, which put her 20 years of leadership experience to work. Uh, and she did an incredible job from helping the 50,000 Texas restaurants, lobbying, securing federal support. She has been just a pillar in this industry. She's a voice on CNN, on Fox, all over the internet. And uh, now you can add give an ovation to your resume. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but anyway, Emily, it was so great to meet you in Texas. And I'm, I'm so grateful that uh, you're here on the podcast with us. Thanks for having me. I'm definitely excited. It was great to meet you. And it feels like a lifetime ago. And I guess in the restaurant industry now, even a week feels like a lifetime. Yeah, no kidding. So speaking of things changing so much, how do restaurants uh, best stay up on the changing environment? I mean, things are still changing and we thought it was done changing, right, Emily? And then all of a sudden, boom, we're back to changing. Yeah, I mean, it's constant change. If we're not, if there's not change every day, then it's not a day in the restaurant industry right yeah. now. Uh, <laughs> it, it's really extraordinary because we're 19 months into this crisis. And, you know, I just saw a Washington Post article, I think said it best, which is the restaurant recovery is going backwards. Um, and so a time when we thought we'd be out and we thought the regulations would be done and we thought the supply chain would be fixed and people would be back at work, none of those things have happened. And so it's really about helping. And that's where I think just our state restaurant associations are so key. We several times a week consolidate just what our operators need to know. We message that out. We train them on new laws. We train them on new regulations and really just try to make it easy for them to navigate. It's a lot that these business owners are trying to manage right now. And so we try to make that a little bit easier here in Texas. Now, when did you actually take the reins of, of TRA? Uh, August of 2019, after the previous CEO was with the organization more than 40 years. Oh, my god! So gosh. it was a big transition for the organization. Yeah. So huge transition. You're kind of getting your bearings. You're getting your sea legs. Oh, and then yeah. all of a sudden, COVID hits. Yeah, I was actually in D.C. And I'll just tell you this quick story because talk Please. about getting hit hard. I went to D.C. for a public affairs conference, meeting with all of our different delegations and returned home after being actually in the Capitol when the very first coronavirus relief bill uh, was passed. And I got home. I got a phone call the next morning from someone from Senator Cruz's team that said he is isolated. He believes he was exposed to COVID. You should isolate, too. And I think for me, that's when I realized, like, oh, this isn't a New York problem, right? This could be coming our way. And, you know, from that point to March 18th, when our lights went out here in Texas and restaurants, um, it's just never been the same since. And things are still, uh, you know, deltas out there. And there's a lot of confusion around that. Uh, should we, should we not? Texas obviously being a more liberal place when it comes to mask mandates and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, how, how has that been affecting, like, how do you manage the the science and the politics 
of what you're doing, because that is a, that is a very delicate balance, right? It is, you know, I always say whenever we publish something, there's going to be winners or losers for Emily, right? So some days you just don't want to check your inbox. Um, You know, I think we've just decided to really reinforce that we've stayed in touch, you know, from day one with Governor Abbott and his team. The association helped write the guidelines for reopening. We included our restaurant members in in that design. Um, And then we've stepped through it together and sort of agreed that anything that we disagree on, whether it be masks or vaccines or, you know, the percentage we should be open that we will deal with that behind the scenes, but to our members and to the forward facing public, it has to be united front. Um, You know, I think the the vaccine in particular and the masks have been very challenging. And so what we try to educate people on is is the science and then try to make sure that the association doesn't take a strong position in either direction, but helps the restaurant with all the facts so they can make the right decision for their business, their employees and their customers. I think it's a great way to do it, right? It's like, teach teach them what they need to know and and let people within boundaries kind of correct uh, govern themselves right yeah because they they have their own political and personal feelings even as business owners about you know um and mixing that with their own business environment and so we've just been able to very carefully step through and 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 say to them here's all the information you need now you make the best decision for you and i think that's really put us in a good spot and i think this is something that you know obviously we have restaurants from around the country around the world who listen to this podcast what are some keys of communication that you think they can they can take they can take from your learnings this last year because you, you have for those of you who don't know Emily was incredible especially in the early days of the pandemic when everyone was like vying for what do we do what do we do what do we do it was like every single day there was an email uh, you did webinars I mean I, how how many webinars would you do a week Oh, I, I, I almost can't even remember. I mean, the team and I, we just went into this. We are going to get this industry through this mode and, you know, ra- unraveling the federal policy and regulations along with the yeah. state. Um, we just found that we needed to tell our members the truth. And so even if it wasn't what they wanted to hear, we were going to spill it out in plain speak, digest a 700 page bill into, you know, five talking points and get it out as fast as we could and really become the trusted source. Uh, that, that was our goal, right? We didn't want anyone to fail in this because it wasn't their fault. And, and you, you really were the trusted source. Literally, when, when customers asked me where should they go to get information, I said, Emily, go to the TRA Aww. because they had, you guys were, were doing such a great job. And even though it was like, you know, you'd explain the federal and the state. And so oh, yeah. um, that's where I got my information from on like, what, what was this bill? What should restaurants be doing? It was from you guys. So anyway, oh, I, I've, been, I I've been following you for a long time. And uh, you did such a great job with the communication. So balancing the science, the politics, the personal decisions, what should restaurant owners be doing with their customers and their staff? What guidelines would you give them to, to handling the same balancing act that you've been managing the last uh, year and a half? Gosh. You know, that's such a great question because I think how our, how the restaurant owners are now interacting with both their employees and their customers um, has changed. And so one of the things we said a lot, especially when we started to get the vaccine or even when we had masks, do you mask, not mask, um, back in the early days, it was really about telling that these owners that you have to have an open and transparent conversation with your employees and with your customers. And that's really where the evolution of the restaurant promise came, which was how can you expect customers to walk in or employees walk in and actually not know what the rules of the restaurant are? 
And the only mm -hmm. way to get through this pandemic is to work together. And so we created the restaurant promise, which ended up being replicated as the Arkansas promise, the Missouri promise. But really it was a commitment that before you walk in that door, it says, this is what's expected of you as a guest within this restaurant. And then on top is what you're going to get from us. And so that joint commitment did two things. It really gave a customer comfort before they entered about what was going to happen when they were in that restaurant. And it also gave the employees an opportunity to have a conversation with their ownership or their managers about what would what would help them be healthy and successful. That's a very important piece of this is we want our employees to feel safe. And so what you're finding is more than ever that decisions are now being made with more employee input or customer input mm. than ever before. And I think our restaurants have learned that that is something they have to continue to do if they want to keep that partnership and stability, really. Especially because now with this, you know, there's a hiring crisis and I wonder, you know, finding good employees has always been the challenge, but especially now it's, uh, it's extremely challenging, right? And it's hard when you put out something saying, hey, you have to wear a mask to come to work. And there's going to be people who say, oh, well, I, I don't want to work there if you have to wear a mask. And there's going to be people who are going to say, hey, no mask required. It's like, well, I don't feel safe working there, right? right? It's it's really hard to to strike that balance because you have to do something, right? You have to take a stand. What are you finding most restaurants are doing now? Are, are they saying mask up, get vaxxed? Or are they saying, don't worry about the vax, don't mask? What, what, do, what you know, do you see? It, it's so interesting because really Texas is 30 million people, right? So if you think about just the size of our state, if you were to travel from one side to the other, it can take a day, day and a half. But more importantly, the politics or the feelings may be different. Oh, and I mean, so, yeah, you go to Nacogdoches and you go to Austin and you're in like two different yeah. universes. Or Lubbock and Austin, right? Yeah. Or even Dallas and San Antonio. And so I think what, what we've really found is that there's this, you know, that we have seen more restaurants in the last month encourage their employees to be back in masks, right? And so where they don't have that confirmation that someone is vaccinated or have the confirmation number that, that, you know, that individual won't get very sick, you are seeing them say, please, you know, wear a mask. We are seeing more masks in restaurants. In Texas, masks are not enforced, obviously, on the public, and there are no penalties if you ask someone to do so. So we're seeing less restaurants ask people to put masks on, but we have seen a return to more employees um, being asked um, to wear a mask when they're customers. And are, are people complaining about that or do they, do they not care yeah. at this point? I almost think, and I, I, I did an interview this morning and I said, I almost think the labor shortage is actually taking the conversation off the mask because now what they're complaining oh. about is that they can't get a seat or their food is slow or there's, you know, 10 open tables and there's one server. And so it feels like a little bit of the complaining has moved now towards the experience <laughs> and less about asking someone to wear a mask to their table. I mean, I, the, the, the consumers have really upped the ante on their level of frustration uh, which is unfortunate because the people that are working every day, um, they definitely don't need that. Uh, but that's gone a little bit from the mask. For a while, it was all about masks in Texas, but it feels like we moved on to the next thing that people are annoyed about. <laughs> Not that the annoyance has decreased. But... No, no, it's just different. <laughs> it's just different. Yeah. Now, in, what, what are some of the, in terms of the, the mistakes that some of the restaurants have, uh, have been making, um, what would you say, hey, restaurants, please don't do this. Is there anything that would be put on the don't do list? You know, I think um, don't die on the hill on a mask, right? So <laughs> don't get into a confrontation where you're going to risk an employee's safety. 
right? I mean, it's really, for some people, it's become such a personal thing that if it's really about walking from the hostess stand to the table and it's seven feet, let's not cause a crisis that, you know, the police are brought into over this, right? So de-escalate. And so when people uh, put a stake in the ground and it's an absolute black or white, we are seeing that in some of those cases, people's energy is high already and that turns into a confrontation. Um, We definitely have seen an increase in that across the country within restaurants. So, So I think number one is just, de-escalate, right? Don't add and don't fuel the flames. Um, I think another is, is trying to be who you were in March of, of 2020. You know, mm, if, if you have supply chain shortages and you have product increasing prices and shortage of labor, you cannot run your business the same. You just simply can't. And, you know, we get asked a lot, Emily, when is it going to get back to normal? Um, it's never going back to March of 2020. Like it's never, ever going to go there. The cat is out of the bag. And so I think when you have restaurants that are still trying to live in that world pre-pandemic. Um, the frustration is higher, but their success will certainly not be what it could be. And so when restaurants can't let go of that and embrace some of the new innovation around either business model or technology or how their employees work, uh, that, that's just, it's unfortunate because they've made it this far and you can see that they're going to struggle going forward. And one thing that you, that you keep on bringing up and that is the fact that it really is a very personal thing. And people get very emotional about this. Very. What is the difference? Why the, why so much emotion around the mask? Why so much emotion around a vaccine? The flu shot doesn't have a lot of emotion around it. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, sneezing into your elbow doesn't have a lot of emotion around it. No. Um, but why, why is it with COVID that there's so much emotion? Do you think? I think because, you know, it's such a good question. I wish I had a, a great answer for you, but I think, you know, I think it's when someone tells you to do something, right? When it mm. comes to the flu shot, your mom tells you to get the flu shot. But when it comes to a dictation by the government, right, of this is something you need to do, um, unfortunately, not everybody wants to do that. Uh, we also are one of the most, and we know this from our time in Washington and even here in the Capitol, the most partisan I've ever seen it in all my years, 25 years. I've never seen it this partisan. And so even if you don't agree or even if you disagree uh, and it's someone that you don't like, you have an opposing view. Uh, I think that's the unfortunate part of all of this is that we've a little bit lost touch of coming together as a community to get through COVID and it's been an individual sport and we all know that it's it's not going to you know go away anytime soon like that. Um, I think yeah. restaurants are always been the breeding ground of communities. And so, yeah. you know, that we had 50,000 when the pandemic started, we think about 46,000, think about that businesses here. And so you have a cross section of people, it's a service-based industry, there's human contact. And I think we're going to experience more of some of the pain that people are feeling. And let's be honest, people are fatigued. Consumers are over this, either they're scared or they're over it. And both are not great experiences. Yeah, um, and so I, I think I, that's really tough. And I love that you talk about, you know, the, the concept of how do you disagree without being disagreeable, right? How do you right. appreciate someone's viewpoint yes. while being so everything in your being could be against it? Um, but, but you, you appreciate them, them as a person. Right. Now, I mean, and I think our, our politicians, if I can be honest, are probably some of the worst representation of that, right? So, you know, you sort of just go down a party line, even though you may believe differently. And I think not coming together to work through some of the stuff and, and, and each side being very clear about their position and the other side is wrong. Um, you know, 
the community follows that behavior. And so I think that's not helping us right now. And, you know, for restaurants, one of the things I really reflected on is back in March when we saw restaurant doors close, uh, it was really to build the supply chain, right? Two weeks, I'll never forget the call from the governor. Two weeks to build the supply chain, Emily. Great, we can do that. You know, six weeks later, we opened, not six months or a year, like some states, but it was actually six weeks. But I think that sent a signal that somehow restaurants were unsafe, right? So if mm. they had to close that signal without even being, you know, positioned that way made people start to think about when restaurants open, it'll get better. If restaurants have to close, it's because it's really bad. Yeah. And somehow restaurants got tied to that. And as much as we try to unpeel it, people will still come to a restaurant and want to have a certain experience because of how they feel about a restaurant with COVID. Totally. And, and speaking of that experience, what, what do you think is some of the most important aspects of the guest experience nowadays? Yeah, we, we know a couple of things. We know health health and safety, sanitation are critical for guests. And so they want to know when they come into your place that it's clean, that you've done the right sanitizing and that they feel safe. That is most important. Um, another piece I think that's really important to guests is that sort of contactless or frictionless interaction. So I want to go to the website on my phone and I want to be able to order and I want to know exactly what's in that item and I want to know how much it costs and I want it to be as simple as can be. I want to pay through my phone and pull my car up and never see you and get a hot meal brought to my home. All of that for most restaurants is really new um, yeah. and not easy. Right. And so it's changing how you even work within the restaurant. So I think that is is something the ones that are able to diversify into those different areas of, you know, what the customer expects now, which is I want your food, which is your experience on my parameters when I want it and where I want it. And that has been a big dynamic shift. And so I think that's what consumers expect now. Um, And I also think they expect uh, an experience. And we know this because we can see the number of situations where guests are complaining about table service being slow or the drive-through lane takes 27 minutes or, and so that speed that they saw early on where they could just, the only thing open was QSR. They could get through there, get their bag of food and off they went. And even a Chick-fil-A is struggling in some parts of the U.S. to get employees. Um, The consumer really wants that fast experience. And and we're not, we're not able to deliver that in most cases right now. Totally. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, why why there've been so many people who have been interested in guest feedback because they want to know, are we doing a good job? What's going on? How, how, how do you do a table touch when there's no tables to touch? Right. Um, And and so speaking of that, what what successful things, we talked about what mistakes people have made, what successful things have you seen restaurants do? Yeah, I've, I've, we've seen, we saw so much innovation and, and, you know, our job really was to take a lot of that innovation and turn it into law so restaurants could always do it. So alcohol to go, game changer, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that you can, and for us, the way we drafted the bill is you're going out the door with a safely sealed beer, wine, liquor, mixed drinks, right? And so it really, it increases the check average for a restaurant. So maybe a plate of enchiladas at $12 is now 26 because there's alcohol to go with it. So embracing that and making it part of um, your mix. The other is uh, the idea that, that we can step into the grocery space, right? Bulk yeah. food. Um, and so you saw Texas Roadhouse and others put prepackaged kits together, go home and grill your steaks. And here's all our famous sides. And so thinking about the consumer experience, how you get it to go, uh, Hibachi, famous Hibachi restaurant, the whole kit, the hats, everything, bring it home. 
do it with your family. And they were killing it, right? And continue to do so. So I think, you know, sort of that innovation of, of extending what you're selling and what format you're selling it in, um, restaurants are really making a lot of bread and butter on that. Um, we're also seeing a streamlining of menus. So with the yes. supply chain challenges, it's really forced a lot of restaurants to streamline their offerings, be really good at what you do and be consistent in what you do. Um, and then I think on the employee front, you're really seeing uh, our restaurants really look at employees differently, you know, holistically that their health and their safety, their professional development, creating a path for them within that restaurant is not just a, you know, do it while you're in college job. And I think that that is, we really learned not only how essential restaurants are in the crisis, but how essential our employees are. Uh, and I think that you're going to see that here to stay, which is wonderful. That's much needed. Uh, lastly, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry? Who should we uh, follow? You know, I'm actually going to I'm going to make this broad. Uh, but but I think that the heroes right now are the people that are showing up every day. Amen. Um, I just saw the restaurant hour report, which shows the amount of hours one employee works in a week. And it's aggregated across the U.S. It's the highest it's ever been. So the managers and employees that are coming in, they're dealing with the mask conversation, they're dealing with the vaccine conversation, they don't have the right supplies, they're you know pushing menu prices that are up 8% on a consumer, and they are working endless hours. And I will tell you, that's the group I'm most worried about right now, is we have some real heroes that are making sure at 52% of the food dollar that we are providing a meal to people under extraordinary conditions and they're showing up every day. And, and I just think we, we need as, a, a, as an entire nation to embrace these people um, because without them, we would not be able to feed every American. And that's hard for people to get their head around, but that's the role restaurants play. And so we've got to do a better job of appreciating and thanking those people. Awesome. Uh, Emily, how do people find you, follow you? Um, so Twitter, Emily Williams Knight, and I should know my handle, but I'm not that cool. Um, and then um, for the Texas Restaurant Association, we welcome any state, any restaurant to follow us. Um, it's just TX Rest Associates, like at TX, R-E-S-T-A-S-S-O-C for Texas Restaurant Association. And that's for Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and please follow us. And it, obviously, if we can be helpful, if you're in another state and you have questions, reach out, reach out to me directly. Um, email is simple. It's enight at txrestaurant.org. Um, and you're welcome. And I can always connect you to your state association very quickly. Awesome. Well, uh, Emily, for being such a rock star, for helping us get through this pandemic and for already getting my vote for the next president of the United States, <laughs> Dr. Emily Williams-Knight, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Zach. It was great. Glad you're with us today, and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe, and as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.